next guest. We got recurring guest. We got Ligier Ducible. Ligier, how's everything going for you? Going good, Zach. How about yourself? I can't complain. We got the draft three days away. I wish they would have had it sooner, but it's finally here. Are you excited? Oh, definitely excited, man. This is a great time of year. These young men's dreams are coming true. So anytime, you know, I've went through this process myself. Anytime, you know, the next generation gets to realize their dreams, it's a blessing. Do you think do you think most guys like doing it from home or do you think that some of like the topics like going to, I guess this year, Cleveland? Uh, I think it's a mixed batch, uh, batch, uh, batch because you got to think about it. That's a once in a lifetime experience to, to go to the draft. And it used to be in New York. So it used to actually be a lot more hype around it. You know, they're starting to move it from place to place. Last year was supposed to be Vegas. Then COVID hit. So it was virtually done this year. Cleveland, they've done it in Tennessee before. So, I mean, I like when it was always in New York. Cause there's something about those big, you know, the big bright lights to New York city, just a lot, a lot of different, a lot of energy in New York. Um, but, you know, other players like to be around their family because they want to be around their loved ones. I believe you can only bring probably maybe five or six people with you to the draft. So if you got a big family, you, you more or less want to be around your family when that big day comes because you want to be around your loved ones. But yeah. I think it's a unique experience that everybody, you know, if you're a surefire first round yeah. pick, should go partake in because that's that's a once in a lifetime opportunity that you're never going to get again. Because especially if you're like a top athlete, you've been waiting your whole life to meet the commissioner in New York, and then it's your year, and they're like, oh, by the way, we're going to Cleveland. You're like, all right, I got to think this over. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's, I don't, Cleveland, Cleveland doesn't just isn't hit, hit the same as New York. A little different, but you're like, oh, Cleveland. Um, so yeah, it's a little different, but it, it, yeah. I think it'll still be rocking just because oh, yeah. of what happened last year, not having oh, a draft. Um, supposedly, I think uh, between 3,500 and 4,000 vaccinated fans wow. will be there. So there will be some energy there. It'll be one of the biggest crowds that, you know, that we've seen in sports uh, up to date. Yeah. No, because there's been a lot of draft chatter because there's not, there's a consensus one and two, obviously. So with the first, with the first selection, you've got the Jacksonville Jaguars. You, you Is there any chance they don't take Trevor Lawrence to you? No chance at all. No chance. Okay. <laughs> no, I uh -huh. believe this pick was in even before the Jaguars were as bad as they were this, this past year. Whoever was going number one um, overall pick was going to go Trevor Lawrence no matter what. Do you think as soon as they say the, the they're on the clock, it'll say the pick is in, or do you think they'll still make us wait 10 minutes? They're going to make you wait. It's all about yeah. drama, right? TNT. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. all about yeah. drama. They're going to make yeah. you wait. Uh, so it might not, not be the full 10 minutes, but no. it'll probably be like eight minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think it would even take for them to consider an offer? Or do you think there's nothing they would take instead of trouble? There's nothing to make it offer because Jacksonville has been waiting for a franchise quarterback like this for yeah. probably over a decade. So yeah. if there's a guy there that you think could transform your, your franchise and your team, then you take them. There's, there's no amount of draft capital that you could give up to get a player like that has the type of talent that Trevor yeah. Lawrence has. So that there's nothing that anybody could probably offer unless it was a package deal with Patrick Mahomes for, <laughs> to the Jackson, Jacksonville Jaguars for Trevor Lawrence. He'd go play baseball if they sent it to Jacksonville. Um, <laughs> and number two, are the Jets going to mess this up or is Zach Wilson a done deal? I believe Zach Wilson's a done deal from everybody I've talked to and heard of. I mean, to me, he's the perfect fit for Mike LaFleur and that offense coming from the Shanahan tree. This is a guy that gets the ball out of his hands, quick decision, has a really good arm, a very powerful arm, and is really more athletic than people give him credit for. Ten touchdowns in the red zone, that's something also that Mike LaFleur may be you know, able to use going down the stretch in the season. I mean, nobody really wants their franchise quarterback running around and possibly getting hit. 
But if you have to account for him in the red zone as an 11th defender, then an 11th playmaker to, to be able to make a play, then that gives defenses nightmares. A guy that can, you know, scramble by time and, and make plays in the red zone. If you saw a lot last year at BYU's, they used a lot of the zone schemes, something similar to Mike LaFleur and the Shanahan tree as well. So that's going to be good zone play action and bootlegs off of that. That's something that, you know, that Zach Wilson does really well. Again, I said one of the best arms in the draft and, and, and it's a quick decision maker. Knows where to go with the football, gets the ball in his hand. To me, it's a slam dunk pick for the New York Jets. Um, there's no discussion that needs to be had. Zach Wilson needs to be the number two pick. Do you think Corey Davis is ready, ready to be that number one receiver? Uh, the jury are out, right? You got to look at it. He had a lot of production last year, but has been injured. So can, the thing is with him, can he stay healthy? Because I liked him really when he came out. I believe it was either Western Michigan or Central Michigan. Yeah, West, uh, Western Michigan, if, if I'm not mistaken. I really liked him coming out in the draft, but he just could never stay healthy. Last year, he proved that he could stay healthy, and he, he had almost 1,000 yards receiving. So we, we look forward to him staying healthy and being a number one guy if, you know, a, a number one guy doesn't fall to us in the draft and probably the second round. So I think Corey Davis can potentially be a number one guy. I mean, you go that high in the draft, you would think you could be a number one guy. Well, we'll see this year. He won't actually have A.J. Brown with him. So he's going to get a lot of the attention. I really love the Keenan Cole pickup. I think he's a great playmaker, a guy that can help on special teams. And then Denzel Mills was, Mims was coming along, you know, towards the end of last year. I think we still need to add one more receiver. But I like those trail trios of receivers added with Jamison Crowder. I think we still need to add one, one young buck in the draft and, and we'll be all right at receiver. And that, that'll give, you know, Zach Wilson some solace knowing that he has about four or five playmakers he can get the ball to. What's that tight end's name who's supposed to break out every year, but I'm still waiting? They got the... <laughs> Chris Hearn. Now, if he comes along, look yeah. out, look out. And that, but that's the thing with him, right? It's always been about potential. And another thing with him is he's always been injured as well, too. You talk about Corey Davis, but Chris Hurden, he came on the scene as a rookie. And then it's like we haven't heard from him in the last two years. So hopefully, you know, I believe this is last year of his, his rookie contract. He can put it all together and be the guy that we saw glimpses of his rookie year and take that next step and be a dominant tight end for us. Is Dustin Keller still there or is he gone? Nah, he's, he's been gone for some years, man. <laughs> Make sure to bring him back. Um, all right, so yeah. th it starts to get interesting at number three. Obviously, you got San Fran traded 100%. in. Got the press conference today. I don't know if you saw the Kyle Shanahan's. It's an interesting, interesting comments. Um, it appears that Jimmy Garoppolo, when some people thought he might be the starter next year until the presumed rookie is ready, it seems like the rookie is going to get week one. Who do you think that's going to be? Yeah, first and foremost, I, I tell people this all the time. When you take a quarterback in the top 10, I don't care who's a quarterback in the building. That guy's going to start. You draft somebody that high, you draft them to be your quarterback for now and the future. Yeah. I mean, the same situation happened to us when I was in Jacksonville with Blaine Gabbard. David Garrard was coming off a Pro Bowl year. They released him because they took Blaine Gabbard in the top 10. When you take a quarterback that high, you're going to play him. I mean, same thing with Daniel Jones and Eli Manning. You know, a few years ago, a lot of people were saying, well, this is the best Eli's looked in, in, in the last couple of years in camp. And I was like, I love Eli. He was my teammate, great guy, a great teammate, hell of a player. He's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. But when you take a Daniel Jones that high, yeah. he's going to play. You don't take him that high in the draft top 10 to sit him on a bench. Yes, it works sometimes where you can develop guys. But you, if you look at, at the history, most of the guys that develop and sit on the bench and they wait, they're usually in the teens or the 20s. You take a guy in the top 10, you're taking them to be your guy right now yeah. and in the future. So there's no way a guy you take in the top 10 is, is going to sit. So, yeah, that's 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 crazy. If San Francisco traded up, to the number three pick, their guy's playing right away, and they he most likely will trade Jimmy Garoppolo. 
who do you think that guy is? Because I feel like they don't make that pick unless they know then who they want. Oh, 100%. You don't make that trade up unless, you know, that you can get one or two of your guys. Like, they probably had two guys in mind, and one or two of them will be there. And to me, it's got to be Justin Fields. I know that there's been a lot of hoopla about really? Matt Jones being the guy and Trey Lance potentially being the guy. But knowing, you know, Kyle Shanahan and also knowing John Lynch personally, I played there my last year, got to know these guys. And then the year I retired, I went back and, and, and talked to them a few times and, and texted them back and forth. They're really, they keep everything close to their chest. Like you really don't know what type of moves are going to move, moves are going to make. And to me, Justin Fields seems like the move that they, they're going to make, right? Everybody's saying it's going to be Mac Jones or it could be potentially Trey Lance because of the potential that Trey Lance has. But to me, them not talking about Justin Fields almost solidifies it for me. I believe it's going to be Justin Fields. If you look at it, what Kyle Shanahan does is in his offense, Justin Fields is a guy that has a, a strong arm, a guy that can, can make some reading, but a, with a guy like Kyle Shanahan, a guy that's been talking about his progression, him reading through progressions, not being as sharp as other quarterbacks. But if you got a guy like Kyle Shanahan, he's going to help you out with a, a lot of that. I mean, every offense that he has is, is, is helped the quarterback immensely. If you look at what Matt Ryan was before Kyle Shanahan got there, he's two totally different players, man. Kyle Shanahan takes his quarterback and elevates him. I believe he can do that with Justin Fields. He'll get the ball out of his hands. Like we talked about the, with the, the LaFour offense moving from San Francisco over there to the New York Jets. They're going to run the zone scheme, right? And they're going to have Justin, Justin Fields on some bootlegs and play action passes. They'll get him some quick, easy uh, options, uh, one-two reads, and we get the ball out of his hands. And as he gets, you know, more developed in this offense, his progressions will get a lot better, and he'll be able to go through that progression chart. And I've seen him do it before multiple times at Ohio State, so I thought it was hogwash when people said he struggled with reading progressions because I've seen it multiple times. There's one game in Penn State, one play in Penn State in the red zone where I, I saw this guy literally go through four different progressions and hit the fourth receiver for a touchdown. So don't tell me this guy can't do it. He has all the tools. People tend to forget he was a number one quarterback coming out of high school. It wasn't Trevor Lawrence. And honestly, in this draft class right here, if you would go, you can go one, two, three, either Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, or, uh, or, or um, Phils. And I would be upset with either one of those three going in any particular order. Who's to say that, you know, Trevor Lawrence is that much better than Zach Wilson or, or Justin Fields. I mean, I haven't really seen it, especially this last year. You know, he came on his, his rookie year. They won a national championship it's talking about Trevor Lawrence. But honestly, from what I've seen from Zach Wilson this past year and, and Justin Fields, they're literally right there with him. I, I mean, I wouldn't be mad if Jacksonville took Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. I, mean, I believe they will take Trevor Lawrence just because of the pedig pedigree and what he's done since his freshman year. But honestly, from, from the play that I've seen from Zach Wilson this year, to me, he was the best quarterback on film or period this past year if you look at the film completely and I think Justin Fields shows you what type of competitor he was in a national championship game I mean he was getting beaded and blundered I believe maybe had a cracked rib or something like that and continued to still go out there and fight and this guy was going to be a top 10 pick so he had every you know chance to lay it down but it shows the type of grit and competitor that he was that he wanted to lay it on the line for his teammates knowing what he could lose potentially going back out there hurt I think if you're you know, a teammate or a GM or a coach, you see that and you're like, we want this guy on our team because he's a fighter and he's eager to learn. Do you think the opposing teams knew they were trading to three to get fields? And I'm just going to parlay this. Do, I, do you think the slander was from uh, the slander of his game? And some, there's some comments made by Dan Orlovsky, some other people. The slander was because they knew he was three to try to get him to drop. I will tell you this, Zach. Every year there's teams that, that send out some slander so that a guy that they really like can potentially drop now. If you fall, you know, for, for, the, for the, the dummy trick, then that's on you. 
and you potentially miss out on a great play. And, and they're back there kicking and high high and snickering because the player that they wanted has now dropped in the draft and they didn't have to give anything up to go and get them. So I would be wary of teams like, you know, maybe the Panthers or the, or the Lions or the Broncos, you know, sparing a player's name to potentially have him drop so they can draft him and not have to give up any draft capital to go up and get him. But every year this happens in the draft. You see players that are dropped and then it's just weird. You're like, why is this player dropping this? Because there's some slander put out there on purpose to make teams rethink their decisions, right? That way a player can drop to a team that really wants them and they can draft their guy. And then at fours, you got Atlanta. I saw there's some rumors today. They're potentially thinking about moving on from Julio. You think they're leaning Kyle Pitts or what are you thinking? To me, Kyle Pitts is the best overall player in this draft, hands down. Um, honestly, any of these teams could have picked him, and I wouldn't have been mad. Yes, the top three teams need a quarterback, but Kyle Pitts is that type of generational talent where if you took him in the top four, I wouldn't be mad. I don't believe there's been a tight end taking that high since Vernon Davis, and uh, he had a really good career, was a pro bowler for, for many years, and he is that type of freakish athlete like Vernon Davis was. I mean, the kid standing almost at 250 running a 4-4, I don't know if you saw that 40. He actually staggered out of his stance and was running diagonally and still ran a 4-4. So this kid is once-in-a-generational type talent. I can see the Falcons taking him, but there's also rumors that they could take their quarterback of the future and Trey Lance. Who's to say when they'll be in the top five again? My thing is, if you feel like you need to get your quarterback for the future because Matt Ryan is getting up there in age, who knows when you'll be back in this top five? Go ahead and get your quarterback. I mean, you're most likely rebuilding anyway. So go ahead and get your quarterback for the future now. This is the instance where I, I wouldn't mind a top five quarter uh, quarterback sitting for a year because Rap, Matt Ryan is still proving that he could play at a high level. And that's one of the best guys that this young quarterback can learn for him. So you sit behind Matt Ryan for a year, maybe two, and then you go ahead and take the Rams a la like, you know, Pat Mahomes did in Kansas City or, you know, Aaron Rodgers after three or four years in Green Bay behind Brett Favre. So uh, I could actually see, I'm going to go ahead and pencil Trey Lance in here. I know that's kind of astonishing for a lot of people. Um, a lot of people have Kyle Pitts, but I think Atlanta being in this situation and like you said, Julio Jones leaving, um, you know, Atlanta is probably not going to really be competing this year for a championship. Why not go ahead and start your real rebuild, plan for the future, get the best value pick. And, uh, you know, Kyle Pitts to me is the best player in the draft. So obviously value wise, he would be the pick here. But I think if you want to get your quarterback for the future, a guy that has all the tools but has has some accuracy issues, why not sit him for a year or two behind a guy like Matt Ryan and let him learn the system and then come in in two years and be your franchise guy? We see four quarterbacks off the board off the bat. That's going to be Four back to back. (laughs) And then at five, so you got Cincy. Do you protect Joe Burrow? Do you get him Jamar Chase? Or Kyle Pitts? This right here is, is tough, right? Because you can go Kyle Pitts, since I just gave Trey Lance to the Falcons. You can go uh, Suau from Oregon and protect Burrow because you can get Burrow all the, all the weapons in the world, but if you can't protect them, then he's not going to last. We saw last year he ended up getting hurt in his rookie year, and he was starting to come on too and, and be the guy that we saw won the Heisman and take his team to the national championship and win. So I, I got to go with, with, the, with the big dancing bear, man. I got to go with Suau right here at the pick five. To me, it just makes sense. Uh, they took Jonah, Jonah Williams a few years ago. He stays getting hurt. Um, I would I would move him to right and put Sue out at left tackle, and then you have a pretty good tandem at tackle to protect, you know, your, your franchise quarterback. And then at Miami, what do you, what do you see them doing? Because they, they could go anywhere for this. 
they really could go anywhere, right? Um, they need a risk. They could potentially go receiver. They got two good receivers in Devontae Parker and Preston uh, Williams, but they stay getting hurt. So injury is the issue right here. So do you go, you know, Jamar Chase here? Do you go Kyle Pitts? Um, I'm going to give them Jamar Chase right here to me, the best receiver in, in football. I know a lot of people are saying Devontae Smith. And a lot of people have Waddle actually ahead of Smith to me, which is kind of baffling because uh, he's been dealing with injury issues too. But I think people tend to forget what Jamar Chase did last year in that championship run for the, you know, for the LSU um, Tigers. To me, one of the, the best receivers, big and physical guy. He does a great job of, of, you know, getting open at the top of the route, getting some separation. The guy can play in the slot. He can play outside and he's explosive with the ball in his hands. I think this is a guy that can grow with Tua. And like I said, the injury issue, right? We talked about Preston Williams and Devontae Parker they're constantly getting hurt. Well, this is a guy that Jamar Chase, I don't believe, has missed any games. And he's going to be a tough, rugged type player that, that you know, um, Tua can really grow with and help with this offense. The reason why I didn't go tight end because Gusecki actually has played well for them the last couple of years. Um, I mean, having two tight end sets could really help Tua because he likes to throw the ball in the middle of the field. So Kyle Pitts and, and uh, Gusecki going 12 personnel could be really good for them. But right here, I, I, I say um, go Jamar Chase. And then you go to Detroit, who already has an established tight end in TJ Hawkins, and they just traded for Jared yeah. Goff. So I'm assuming you're not thinking Mac Jones or Kyle Pitts. Who do, who do you like with Detroit? There's rumors in Detroit that they could potentially take a quarterback. So say a guy like Trey Lance or, or Justin Fields slides there, there's potential that they take a quarterback. But I'm going to go with Slater, the big offensive tackle from Northwestern, I believe. He could potentially be the best tackle in this draft. I think Sewell has a higher ceiling, but as far as playing right now, I like Slater as an overall better player. I think that's a, a great tackle for Jared Goff in that offense. He'll be good in the run game uh, for Swift, but also really good for Jared Goff and protecting him. So I'm going to go Slater right here from Northwestern. So not a receiver because they look, Marvin Jones is gone and Galladay's gone. Who's he throwing to? <laughs> I mean, who's going to protect them is first and foremost is the question, right? You got to build from, from your offensive line up, man. You got to you got to be able to build through the offensive line. This is a deep receiving uh, class, too. So he'll be able to get a second-round receiver but first-round talent in the yeah. next in the next round. So do, we, do, you, do you see Kyle Pitts landing in Carolina? I, I mean, Carolina's probably praying this happens, right? Like, there's question marks. Even though they got Sam Donner, they could still potentially get a quarterback. But if Kyle Pitts – lands in their you know in their hands they're taking confidence 110 percent you know they lost um greg greg to seattle last year and they really haven't had anybody to fill that void so right here if they could get kyle pitts they get you know sam donald a weapon imagine kyle pitts uh d moore and then robbie anderson that, that's a nice trail you lost chris samuels uh you know in the offseason but now if you if you can replace him with a kyle pitts a guy that, like I said, is a mismatch from hell for, for safeties and, and linebackers in smaller corners. And then you also throw in the speed of Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore out there. Yeah. Then you got, you know, and then Christian McCaffrey comes back. You're talking about a nasty offense on paper right now. And then Sam Donald was worried about not getting enough playmakers. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can't complain if he has those top four guys right there. Those are his top four pass catchers right there. You have all the ammunition you need to have success. Then you can really evaluate uh, Sam Donald. So, yeah. We're going to go Kyle Pitts right here to the Panthers. If, because we're not doing trades, but if we were and Jerry Jones sitting at 10 and Kyle Pitts is there at eight and he can't get him, the Cowboys are going to be fuming. Because I know he's been talking a lot yeah, about 
lot about Cup. And then so get get to nine, get the Broncos, kind of an iffy situation, a quarterback with Drew Locke. You got weapons. You got some returning defensive starters. You just paid Justin Simmons. Where do you see them going? Yeah, so it's tough here, right? Like Denver's hoping a quarterback potentially could slide. Um, but, you know, a lot of people have had a lot of uh, you know faith in, in, in Locke. But they did say they want to get him some competition. But if you get you drop the guy in the top 10, that's not competition. He's going to be the starter. So right here, uh, I'm going to say we're going to go Patrick Sertan, corner. Interesting. Matter of fact, no. We're going to go Michael Parsons. From Penn State? Penn State, linebacker. They need a, line, a linebacker to help with that defense. Uh, you know, Vic Vangio, uh, Vangio is – is, is Brett a defensive coordinator? He needs a guy that can be his linebacker for the next seven to, to eight years. And Michael Parsons can do it all. I mean, this guy is a freakish athlete. I believe he ran a 4-4 at the combine. This guy's a run-hit guy, can run sideline to sideline. Great recovering, great at blitzing and getting after the quarterback when they send him on blitzes. This is a guy that can spearhead your defense. And this is a guy that I think, you know, Vic would really love on his defense. So you don't see a defensive player being drafted until nine till nine honestly wow. no and 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 a lot of mark drives if you looked it up don't see one until 10 yeah no i don't think it's ever happened before so that's yeah and then i mean this this is a decent corner draft it's yeah. a bad interior defensive yeah. line draft it's an okay yeah. edge uh draft and linebacker is a solid linebacker you know so this is not really a year for for crazy defensive talent so who do you see the Cowboys going with at 10? The corner, linebacker, lineman? Yeah, no, I feel like they have to go Patrick Sertain here if he's still there. I mean, you you, you pair him with his former teammate, Diggs, on the outside that they took last year from Alabama. And now you're starting to get a little bit more respect for this Cowboys defense that was laughable last year. I know Jerry Jones has been real giddy about Kyle Pitts, but you have enough offensive weapons. You need to fix that defense. That's right. That's why they brought, you know, Quinn in to fix that defense. You got to get those two corners like he had at Seattle um, and, and when they were the Legion of Boom. Right now you have Diggs, you get Patrick Sertan, yeah. a guy that can play man press coverage, a guy that can play zone coverage, just an all-around good football player. To me, the number one corner in this draft. Now, Farley probably would have been the number one corner if he didn't have all the health issues. Yeah. But Patrick Sertan, you go Farley or Sertan here. I mean, I wouldn't be mad with either one, but I think Sertan, just because you want to be a little bit cautious with that back with Farley taking them in the top 10. I think Patrick Sertan is the guy that goes to the Cowboys at 10 if Jerry Jones is smart. So how, how far do you see Mac Jones falling? New England is a team that could potentially get him. If New England doesn't get him, I believe they're at 15. Yeah. Then I, he could potentially fall to the second round, man. Honestly, I mean, really? Chicago could maybe make a move, but I think Washington, Washington, Washington take him at 19 in a heartbeat. Washington. You think so? I don't, yeah. I don't know if Washington's that giddy on him, though. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, he could he could fall to nineteen at Washington, but um, we we will see. We will see yeah. because they definitely need a quarterback of the yeah. future. Um, they got a, they got some some filling guys right now with uh you know, my guy Fitz Magic yeah. over there, Allen, and then and Heineke. Uh, honestly, I would love to see them give you know Heineke a chance. Yeah, Fitz is my guy. You know what you're gonna get with Fitz. Yeah. Um, but if Fitz beats him out right, then he deserves to be the starting quarterback. But if Heineke beats him out, I feel like they should give Heineke a chance, man. He was electrical, electrifying in that playoff game. And the team, his teammates really fed off him. So I think another year in that offense, he can get a lot better. But uh, you're right. If Mac Jones falls at 19, I, Washington could could pull the trigger. And then we'll you see. got a high, you still got a Heisman Trophy winner on the board. And if some people are concerned about the weight, how far do you see him falling? Uh, Devontae Smith probably won't fall past 
15 or 16. I mean, the Giants are picking at 11 next. Where do you go, Devontae Smith, or you go you go Waddle? You know, the returnability to Waddle. I mean, Devontae Smith is a hell of a punt returner, too. But Waddle, you're going to get on punt return and kick return. Um, the thing with him is, can he stay healthy? Like, that's the biggest thing, right? Can he stay healthy? You got Galladay out there. Can Saquon stay healthy? And then you got a Devontae Smith to that offense, and then you, you're really cooking. You know what I'm saying? And I like Slayton over there, too. So you're talking about three or four weapons for Daniel Jones to really get better. But they should also go defensive end. I feel like they need to pair somebody with Leonard Williams on the outside because this guy, you know, is wreaking havoc from all over the defensive line. But if you could pair a guy like Quiddy Payne with him or, or Jalen Phillips, then you're really talking about, you know, Leonard Williams even taking this game to the next level because you're not able to double team him. If that guy can, say, get like at least eight sacks or seven to eight sacks as a rookie, then you're talking about, you know, two guys getting eight plus sacks on your defensive line and you're really cooking there. Um, your defense will be humming. So you're not buying into all these people talking about potentially Davis Mills or Kellen Mond as a first-round prospect? I don't see it happening. I mean, the only way, honestly, it happens is if Denver takes a quarterback, right, and then Washington and New England takes a quarterback. So now you're looking at the back half of the draft. Does Chicago maybe take Kellen Mond in the first round when they could potentially maybe get him in the second round? I don't see them pulling the trigger on him. And I really love what Kellen Mond did at the senior bowl. I feel like he helped himself as much as any prospect could have helped himself. But I don't see the the quarterbacks at the back half of the first. I mean, the, the teams in the back half of the first round really pulling the trigger to, to make Davis, Davis Mills or, or Kellen Mond a quarterback. Now, 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 I would not be surprised if Mac Jones falls to the second round if Kellen Mond goes before him. You, you think that could, that's a possibility? That could possibly, that could be a possibility. I mean, Certain teams love you. Certain teams love other guys. You know, a guy, a team might really fall in love with the athleticism of Kellen Mond more than, you know, uh, the, the precision of, of Mac Jones. So it just depends on the team and the team fit. I really think New England's a team to watch when it comes to Mac Jones. I really don't believe he's going three. I believe the guy is Justin Fields at three. And then my guy is Jamie Newman, who nobody's talking about because he didn't play last year. You watch any of his tape at all? Yeah. Yeah, he, now he was good, but he struggled at the senior bowl. You could tell a lot of it was because he took off, took off the whole year. So yeah. I think the senior bowl kind of actually hurt him um, in regards to him not playing for Georgia this past year, you know, coming from Wake Forest. Because he, he was electrifying at Wake Forest and played really well. And I thought he, he was going to really help Georgia go to the next level and potentially, yeah. you know, play for a national championship or compete for the SEC, you know, title against Alabama. But he decides to opt out and not play and. He went to the senior bowl, and you could tell he hadn't played against competition in a long time. And then I want to ask you before I let you go, so a couple of guys you covered at UCF are going to be top picks. Can you give me their scouting reports? Yeah, so if you don't know, UCF probably has the best secondary going into this draft. We probably potentially have three picks going in the top 100 for sure. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if all three of them go in the second round. Uh, to me, Richie, uh, Richie Grant is the, the best overall safety and that's just not me just being a homer. I really like the the, the, tre the Trevor uh, Morey kid from TCU. Yeah. But if you put him and Richie Grant's tape up, it looks almost identical. And, uh, you know, people will say that, you know, the kid from TCU probably played a little bit com better competition. But if you look at the senior bowl uh, film, Richie Grant showed his versatility. He's the most versatile uh, secondary member, not just safety in this draft. He showed well to the outside corner. He showed well in the slot. I'm talking about locking up. A lot of these receivers that might go in the first round at the senior bowl, locking them up. And then that safety, he can come downhill and put a, put a hit on you. But he just finds the ball, man. He's just a hell of a football player. That's the best way to describe Richie Grant. He's just a great football player. I was a little nervous about what his 40 time was going to be, but he ran into four fives. And that's what you expect 
from a safety. So that only helped the stock even more to prove who, who, who that I top? believe his broad jump was over like 11 something. So that yeah. shows, like, you know, explosiveness right there. But to me, he'll probably go early second round. Um, a team to watch for is Jacksonville. I think they could potentially pull the trigger him. And then the next guy, Aaron Robinson, is a guy that they could potentially pull the trigger on early in the second round. They need a slot corner. Um, I was talking to their, their secondary coach at Pro Day, and, and they really like A-Rob a lot. They like his aggressiveness to me, the most aggressive corner in all this draft. This guy, as you know, Zach, football's gone to 11 personnel. So that, that, that slot becomes the same in the run game, and Aaron Robinson will come up and hit you. He doesn't care about his body. He's going to lay it on the line. He's going to come up and hit you, and you're going to feel it, and you're going to know about it. But this guy does a great job attacking the ball in the air. He has gotten a little handsy, so that's something he will have to fix it to the next level because in college, you can keep your hands on the receiver a little bit longer than you did yeah. can in the NFL. But people said the same thing about J.C. Horn. I think he's going to be a hell of a player too. But to me, the most aggressive corner in this draft, hands down, is Ann Robertson. And then you talk about my guy, man, the unsung hero, um, Tay Gowan, right? One year at UCF, uh, transferred from junior college after going to, I believe, Miami, Ohio. This guy's a long rangey corner, right? He's going to be perfect for man press, but he can be a perfect zone three corner too. This guy has crazy speed. I believe ran four, three, nine or in four, four, one, but he's a, a legit six, two. Like you see him coming out the field and people were worried about his size. He gained about 10 pounds for the, for the pro day and was still able to keep that speed up. So uh, uh, people were worried about him taking a year off and he did it for family reasons. He, he has a, a, a young daughter that, you know, has some health issues. And, and um, so when teams ask him about that, he put his family first and I respect the guy for doing that hundred percent, but this guy right here to me can, can be the still of the draft in the second or third round because of his measurables, because of the length, because of how uh, he puts hands on people at the line of scrimmage, but can also play off zone coverage. And he does a great job reading the quarterback and being able to attack the ball and get it. So those are the, the, the three secondary members from UCF. And the guy that's starting to climb up draft boards is Jacob Harris, our receiver. I don't know if anybody saw his pro day workout. This guy's 6'5", 235 pounds, and ran a, and a, ran a 4'3". <laughs> this guy literally was built in the lab. Uh, he touched out of the waters. I think he would have been number one in most of the, the broad jumps, the vertical jumps, if he had gone to the combine. But he's a late, you know, a late, late sleeper. I, I would say... Watch out for him, fifth, sixth round. This guy's going to kill on special teams. He's a red zone threat. Had three touchdowns in the USF game, was just dominant in that game, and had the only touchdown versus BYU. Came on late, you know, in the season, especially after the injury to Trey Nixon and then Marlon Williams missed the last two games. But uh, Jacob Harris is a guy that you guys need to watch out for. This guy literally can be either the fourth or fifth receiver on your team, but he's going to kill on special teams because that's how he got on the field at UCF. First, so he doesn't mind running down as a gunner on, on, on punt and then on kickoff, you know, running down on kickoff and, and he enjoys the contact. This guy blocks you and he puts you in the ground when he blocks you at receiver. Who, who would you comp Richie Grant to? Because when you're describing him, I haven't seen any of his film. I'm picturing Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, that's a, that's actually a pretty good comparison. Um, I'm trying to think of another guy I would compare. I, and I'm one, Zach, I never really like to compare players. No. I hate it. Yeah. Um, because you put, you're comparing somebody that yeah. like Mika Fitzpatrick is a pro bowler, yeah. two-time yeah. pro bowler. Like you, yeah. you can't do that uh, no. off, a, off a college guy, but, uh, Richie, Richie Grant. I mean, that's actually a, a really good comparison as a, as a guy that's a playmaker in the back half, but can come down and hit you. I think Mika Fitzpatrick is a, is a, is a pretty good 
comp because a lot of people didn't know he was going to be corner or safety too. And Richard Grant has shown that versatility. I think Mika has shown that versatility. Yeah. Now that the Pittsburgh Steelers are using him the right way, you know, he was in Miami. They weren't particularly using him the right way, especially with the new coaching staff coming in. He gets traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and now this guy's an all-pro. So that's actually a good comp, uh, Zach. Um, but like I said, I don't like comparing players to, no. to other players. No, no, because I know the fans of the guys hate it. So it's it's, it's one because you're giving them yeah. the lofty expectations. Um, yeah, that's exactly. That's all the questions I really have for you. Um, how can people see you, uh, watch you on the draft on SNY in the New York area on Thursday night? Yeah, so if you have, I believe, um, cable, not cable TV, but if you have um, satellite TV, SNY, Sports New York, I'll be on there, pre-draft show, 67, going over the draft picks, and I'll be on there throughout the this draft process. So, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we'll be talking about the draft. Guys, tune in. Also, I'll be giving updates on my Twitter, at Lee and my Instagram, at Lee That's L-E-G-E-R, D as in dog, O-U, Z as in zebra, A, B as in boy, L-E. Um, yeah, Zach, appreciate you uh, for having me come on again and Absolutely. looking forward to the, this NFL draft. It's finally here, man. We're a few yeah. days away. I'm hyped. I'm hyped. Do they got SNY on the Reddit Reddit streams or not? Nah? I'm, out, I'm out of the out of the out of, like. Can you get if the, not, Reddit? you definitely can can find it online. Definitely. Yeah, I'm out of the five boroughs, so hopefully I can still check it out. But yeah, do appreciate you taking time always. But this has been a blast. Of course, man.